Yo, check this out from Canty and Carlin. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Alongside Gabe Knight's Law, Michael Rothstein, we're in for the guys today. ESPN Radio is always presented by Progressive Insurance. And the big story over the last 24 to 36 hours has been the trade of Kyrie Irving from the Brooklyn Nets to the Dallas Mavericks. To chat more about it and give a little bit of a player's perspective, we now welcome in nine-year NBA veteran Aton Thomas to the show. Aton, thank, thank you for taking a couple of minutes with us tonight. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. So, Aton, you, you played in the league for almost a decade. You actually are a writer for Basketball News Now. What do you make of the decision to move Kyrie Irving and kind of the speed that it happened once Kyrie put in a trade request? Well, it's interesting because I have a, you know, I, I, I saw a lot of the reactions from when Kyrie Irving made the trade demand. And the first thing that I noticed is, you know, a, a lot of people kind of, it seemed to me, were jumping to, you know, bashing Kyrie even before they knew all of the details of what was happening and why he actually made the trade demand. Um, you know, I, I wrote an article about it. I talked about, you know, Stephen A. Smith called him idiotic. Um, you know, I, I just think I just think there's a um, almost a a collective of of Kyrie bashing that goes on that a lot of people, for different reasons, have grown tired of Kyrie. Um, I think that a lot of times there there are different things from the past that have kind of built up and now kind of taint anything that has to do with Kyrie. And I think that's kind of what happened with here. Um, you know, once people started hearing about the details of the contract and the, you know, championship stipulation there, you know, which is, for, to my knowledge, hasn't really been done in basketball. You know, it, I don't remember it ever being done, if it was done ever at all. Um, you know, that the conversation changed a little bit, but I, I don't know. It just seems like a little lot of bashing. So that's why I, I wrote about it, um, you know, in the article and, and talked about that, that, that slanted uh, viewpoint from what I saw from the media um, in, in their conversations and writing and reporting about, about the topic. So it seems like you you think that at least that criticism is maybe a little unfair, but what about the criticism of, how much of a disaster this thing was for the Nets? They go out, they they get KD, they get K- Kyrie, or excuse me, KD, and then they get Kyrie. But the best they ever get out of that era of basketball in Brooklyn is an Eastern Conference semifinals game seven appearance. Like that's the best. Is it fair to kind of criticize how much of a failure it was for the Nets not to go further with the collection of talent they put together? I mean, I think the criticism could be spread out a little bit better. I mean, I think you can have a lot of criticism for Sean Marks and, and Joe Sy, and I haven't really heard that, or at least I hadn't heard that initially. Um, you know, now you see a little bit, a little bit more people examining it um, of the, the failure of the management. But Kyrie wanted to to remain with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, regardless of what has happened in the past, regardless of you know all the ups and downs, he wanted to remain uh, part of the Brooklyn Nets. And that was his desire. Um, it was expressed by his team, expressed by his agent. Um, you know, they made that very public, and he wanted to sign an extension. Now, whether people feel that that he deserves whatever number he was looking for, that's a different topic. But the fact is, he wanted to to remain with the Brooklyn Nets, um, and it seems like more of the, the Nets didn't really want him there. To, to be honest with you, because I, I don't think that you put a stipulation in that um, for a player of that caliber 
really thinking that they're going to accept it. I, I think that that's something that you do. You want somebody to, you want to push somebody out and you can tell me if I'm wrong and please feel free to, you know, look it up and let me know. Um, has there been a stipulation like that, a championship stipulation like that um, before in a player of that caliber's contract? I just can't remember it. If there was, I, I can't recall one either. We're talking to, Aton Thomas writes for the basketballnews.com, and he's a former NBA player, nine-year veteran of the league. The trade call, according to Woj, is complete. So Kyrie Irving now officially a Mav. Aton, where do you think that puts the Mavs in the West now that they have Kyrie go with Luka? I mean, everybody's really interested to see how this really works. You know, they're both, you know, high-caliber players, um, you know, one of the top in the league. So, have them two together if you know of course everybody's trying to figure out you know they're both a kind of ball dominant so are they going to be able to share but those are regular questions that always happen when you put two superstars of that caliber together um so i think it, it really remains to be seen it, it, it could work out great um you know I, I think that it was an interesting move because a lot of people expected him to go to the lakers to be honest with you um you know that was his preferred destination the lakers wanted him they they upped the ante with their offer. You know, I, I pretty much thought it was a done deal. And um, so I think people are still trying to wrap their minds around that. I saw the interview with LeBron today where he said that he was definitely disappointed that the trade didn't happen. He wanted to reunite with Kyrie. So I would say look look to that even possibly being a, a, you know, being a possibility maybe after the season if things don't work out in Dallas. You know what I mean? Because they put that notion out there so much. Um, you know, it'd be and so many people want to see it happen. Um, it, it would be it would be kind of interesting if it if it never did happen. What about the Nets? Where do the Nets go from here? I mean, during the off season, it was Kevin Durant who reportedly had asked for a trade and wanted out before they were able to convince him to stick around Brooklyn um, for at least this season. Who knows what happens going forward? But where do the Nets go he- from here to try to remain relevant in the East? Well, first they got to make sure that Kevin Durant doesn't want to leave. Um, I would, I would, you know, he's been a little bit quiet about his reaction to all of this, and you know, I, I think a lot depends on his feelings towards the direction of the Nets um, now and moving forward. And um, you know, I personally, I wouldn't be surprised if he does ask for a trade or if they decide just to start, you know, part ways and you know something like that. But a lot depends on it. All depends on KD. I mean, it all depends on him. So we'll see what happens. Nobody really knows yet. We're talking to former NBA player, basketballnews.com writer, Aton Thomas here on Canny and Carlin. And Aton, you played at Syracuse under Jim Beheim. You were actually at Syracuse when I was at Syracuse. I was just a student, not a basketball player, however. Okay. <laughs> what, what do you make of everything that's going on right now with Bayheim and with the Syracuse program because it seems like there's a lot of talk about whether or not he should still be coaching or if he should walk away after you know what feels like a half century. Half century. Um, well, it, it, it's you know, Coach Bayheim has, has kind of earned that right to 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 set the terms of how he is going to bow out. To be honest with you. I mean, he's been there for, you know, since when? <laughs> uh, integration? <laughs> he's been there for a long time. And, you know, it's, I think a lot of it is uh, when you hear constantly 
that that you should retire. You should. The, I'm, the, the 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 question comes up. I'm probably sure like a few times. You know, every other day <laughs> for him. Um, you've seen him grow a little bit. I'm not going to use the word grumpy or cranky because that's kind of you know what I mean. I don't want to do an ageism thing here. But whatever word that you can substitute for that, um, he's been with the reporters lately. Um, you know, I, I as far as the team goes, I like the young talent that they have. You know what I mean? I, I like all the young guys. I like the, the whole freshman crew that they have in. Um, you know, Jesse's playing great. Uh, he just had a career high, you know, against Boston College. So, you know, they, wherever they are in the, you know, standings for the, the bracket, I'm not sure. But I like what the team is doing. It's just a tough situation. You know, a lot of people around Syracuse want him to, you know, kind of bow out gracefully. And I want they're ready for a new regime. But at the same time, you know, he has been a staple there for, you know, four decades. So does he deserve the right to be able to go out on his own terms and have the respect and dignity? I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see. But we're all, all the Syracuse alumni are all watching from the sidelines. They're all talking about it as well. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, Ton, it's definitely a topic of conversation, one that I imagine will carry on for at least the next couple of months. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes with us tonight. Oh, no problem at all. Thanks a lot for having me. That was a Ton Thomas, former NBA player, former Syracuse basketball legend, writer for basketballnews.com. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Alongside Gabe Knight, I'm Michael Rothstein. Kenny and Carlin, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. So we just had thought heard a lot of interesting stuff from a Ton Thomas there, including of how the blame is being spread around. How much do you buy into what Aton was saying that maybe ownership and the front office should get some more of this blame? At least that's based off of the way I felt I was interpreting what he said. Oh, a hundred percent. And especially talking because that wasn't something that the details of a potential contract extension um, wasn't out there initially when Kyrie asked for the trade, when the, the news of the trade originally broke about 48 hours after that, and then we get the news earlier today from Woj that, well, then maybe a third team was going to get involved, but now eventually, just moments ago, Woj confirming it's just a two-team deal between the Mavs and the Nets. And I understand where Kyrie would be upset if they're putting championship provisions in a contract, which probably something that hasn't happened a lot in the NBA, especially for a player of that caliber. I understand why he's being that upset. But I think also that you have to understand what the perception of you as the player is, and the perception of you, the player, isn't very good. And I understand he doesn't care. Like, he doesn't care what anybody else thinks about him. He has made that perfectly clear over the course of the number of incidents that have happened. You know, when, when either he's sharing his opinion or he's, you know, asking for trades from different places. You know, I mean, when, when he gets booed in Boston because he said, oh, I want to retire a Celtic. And next thing you know, he's out of there in the blink of an eye. <laughs> so... You know, you just have to understand what your perception is, and you're going to get a lot of the blame because of the things that have happened with you and how things have imploded around you when you've been on these other teams. And has been the blame for Kyrie maybe been a little unfair? Sure, I'd say a little, but I don't think he's blameless in this situation. I don't think Kyrie's the victim of everything that went on in Brooklyn. I certainly believe he had a hand of how things went south for the Nets, and part of the reason that they never made it to an Eastern Conference Finals. Now, listen, it comes to this, too. At some point, it's not everyone else. It's you. When it happens one place, maybe it's everybody else. When it happens two places, you can even make the argument, ah, you know, bad situation, rough. Sure. 
When it's happened three places, problem. When it's happened four places, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, what can I change to maybe work with my coworkers a little bit better? Because it comes down to this that, remember, what was it, a couple weeks ago, he's talking about Kevin Durant's one of his best friends, and now he wants a trade. At some point, it's like, you you know, LeBron, theoretically, LeBron had interest. Now, LeBron and Kyrie played together when Kyrie first came into the league, but that trade did not happen, and LeBron James talked about that a little bit with Michael Wilbon of Kyrie going to the Mavs and not the Lakers. Well, definitely disappointing. I can't sit here and say I'm not disappointed on not being able to land such a talent, but someone that I had great chemistry with, and know I got great chemistry with on the floor, that can help you win, um, you know, championships. In my in my mind, in my eyes. Um, but my focus is shifted now. Um, my focus is shifted back to where it should be, and that's this that's this club now, and what we have in the locker room. That's a guys quick pivot, LeBron. It's a quick pivot. Quick pivot. It don't take me long. It don't take me long. I don't, I don't get too excited um, about the possibilities of things that can be. I, I, I kind of envision myself on what it can, but I don't, I don't invest it all the way into until I know it's happening. And, and when it does not happen, I, I'm, I'm back locked in on the job at hand. So, um, you know, we had an opportunity. I think our, our names was out there. The Lakers name was out there. We had an opportunity. Didn't happen. We move on and we, we, we uh, finish the season strong. Try to try to get a bid into the postseason where I feel um, if we go in healthy and we compete with anybody. That is LeBron James, the Lakers forward with our very own Michael Wilbon. Gabe, do you, do you buy that the Lakers maybe should have been more in on this Kyrie trade and that the and frankly that the Nets would have even entertained trading him to the Lakers. So that's the part that I, I just don't think that the Nets ultimately were going to be interested in trading him to the Lakers. You know, I know when we had Eton Thomas on just moments ago, he kind of hinted at that that maybe, you know, even though the Lakers upped their offer potentially to get Kyrie, that was not a place that the Nets were interested in potentially dealing with him. They're dealing him too. And if that was the mindset of the Nets then there's nothing that LeBron and the Lakers could do. But the one thing then apart about that is if you're the Mavs, you have to then tread lightly. I understand that, hey, you made the risk. He's now yours. But at the same time, are you, are you wondering, okay, is he happy with us? Is he going to be happy here playing with Luka? Or is he disappointed that he didn't get a chance to play with LeBron? How is he going to be for the rest of this season? Is he then just going to be a free agent, not give us the time of day, and immediately just go to the Lakers since that's where he wanted to be? And he's slated to be a free agent at the end of the year. So it just complicates matters a little bit more. Again, given Kyrie's past, that if you're Jason Kidd, if you're the Dallas Mavericks, you may be asking yourself. Without question, and if I am the Mavericks, I am really wondering if I gave up a lot for a half-season rental in the hopes that this is the year you can get out of the West. Like To me, that's what maybe the Mavs are doing here, and you hope that, hey, he has develops chemistry with Luka. He works well with Jason Kidd and sees a reason to stay versus go to a team like the Lakers, which... If he is a free agent, one would think that that ends up being the front runner for Kyrie Irving's services because LeBron James probably one of the few players in the league that maybe Kyrie would respect enough to say, you know what, all right, I'm going to clean up everything. Like, I'm going to be a model, like... Which is 
you know, which is hilarious. Well, no, that's hilarious. Oh, that, and and, it, I, and he's is. on the record. Yes, he's on the record saying, "Hey, I made mistakes with LeBron in Cleveland, but those mistakes still happened." You know, like Kyrie was not happy with LeBron. Part of the reason he wanted out of Cleveland because he wanted to be the guy, and he couldn't be the guy when LeBron was a part of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, except and yeah, but you have to wonder now. Okay, now we're playing a little bit amateur psychologist here, but you have to wonder now if Kyrie will look at it and say, "Well, LeBron's also getting close to forty. As good as LeBron James is playing right now, so maybe I go and it's not a clear one-two. It's more of a one A, one B, or maybe LeBron is willing to take a little bit of a backseat and make it the Kyrie Irving show. I I would not recommend that for the Los Angeles Lakers, of course. But maybe that goes in to Kyrie Irving's thinking. Because we were talking earlier tonight, Gabe, about, well, what team that he would be the clear number one would even make sense for him to go to because those teams were all rebuilding and it wouldn't make sense for Kyrie. It wouldn't make sense for those teams. The Lakers might be that one team if LeBron is willing to seed a little bit. But I don't know if he's going to be willing to do that either. So many questions surround this. This offseason is going to be the offseason of Kyrie, isn't it? Oh, it, it certainly seems like that at the beginning of this, doesn't it? I mean, he's set to be a free agent. I can't imagine that the Mavericks are just going to blindly sign him to some sort of extension like 10 games into this experiment. So it's going to be up to Kyrie once we get to the end of the season, whether, you know, kind of where he wants to go. And I think that's what he wants, by the way. I think he wants to be a free agent and have a little bit more say in where he goes. I'm sure of it. A hundred percent he wants that. I think we can say a few places that he will not go. Can't see him going back to Boston. Can't see him going back to Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not going to go to Cleveland. Uh, I'm trying to think Detroit, of Detroit, like, and, like, and there's then there no more shocking place than Boston. I'm trying to think right. of like shocking returns people have made, and that would be the most shocking thing in the history of sports in terms of returns that players have made to places. Yes, it would be up there. I'm sure there is another one that would be in that realm of conversation, but it would be play- put it this way: if we're on together over the summer and that happens, we're gonna have a whole show just mapped out. It's gonna be great. Oh, yeah. It'd be fantastic. Like that, 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 that will 100% happen if that occurs. But you have to also look. Like, let's play this game here for a second. It would not make any sense for Kyrie to go to Houston. It would not make any sense for Kyrie to go to Detroit. Detroit's trying to build a young core, and I don't know if you want that situation there. Plus, you have point guards in, in Cade Cunningham and in uh, you know a couple of other people, and they may be in— you know, maybe get the number one overall pick. There, there are teams like San Antonio, I don't think would make a lot of sense, especially as long as Popovich is there. So there are teams that you can rule out that way too. Like I, in Milwaukee, would Milwaukee take him, Gabe? Absolutely not. Why do you say that? Um, because I think that A, to play in before Mike Budenholzer, you have to be a pretty good defender. Um, and B, they really like the chemistry. Like this year, the Bucks brought 16 guys back on the roster. 16! That's unheard of in the NBA because they love what they've built culture-wise, and I just don't think that they would want to risk disrupting that, uh, that culture that they've built and that, that kind of you know, camaraderie that they have inside the locker room by bringing in somebody who is as potentially volatile as Kyrie Irving. Listen, it's, it's a big question, but we're going to stay in Dallas just switch sports. Do the Cowboys have a better coaching staff now that Kellen Moore has left than they did when Kellen Moore was there? It's 
and really interesting question that one that we're going to answer. This is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. So Tom Brady's gone. So is Peyton Manning. They're both in the land of retirement, which means that the question of who the next great quarterback is rages on. This is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, and Channel 80, alongside Gabe Knight. So I'm Michael Rothstein. We're filling in for the guys today. And to help us answer that question, we're going to go out to the phones. Gary Myers is a former NFL columnist. He's written a book about Brady and Manning. It was back in 2015. He's covered the NFL for decades. Gary, thanks so much for taking a few minutes with us tonight. Hey, Mike. Hi, Gabe. How are you doing tonight? We're, we're doing well. So I want to start here. You wrote a book about Brady and Manning, and when you look at Patrick Mahomes now, he's probably the best of the young crop of quarterbacks. How much more do you feel like Mahomes has to do to even start to potentially be in the conversation that Brady and Manning were once in? Probably win about five more Super Bowls. <laughs> 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 no. As far as Tom is concerned, I mean yeah. – Peyton only won the two, and the, and the second one he was kind of along for the ride because he was hurt towards the end of the season. Um, Mahomes, you know, everybody says there can never be another Brady. But, you know, Mahomes is 27, and um, if he wins his second Super Bowl uh, on Sunday, uh, he'll be one behind Brady where, where Brady was when he was 27, and then Tom won 10 years before he won his fourth. So... I mean, it is conceivable if Patrick can stay healthy that he can, you know, get to multiple uh, future Super Bowls. The problem is that Tom really just had Peyton in his way every year. I mean, which was a lot, but it was just really the one guy. And whoever team Peyton was on presented the biggest challenge to Brady. But now when you look at the quarterbacks in the AFC, I mean, it is just loaded. He's going to have to get by Joe Burrow every year and Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson, assuming he stays in, in Baltimore, and Justin Herbert, who I think is a great young player. And if he can get some better coaching out there, I think the Chargers would be a serious Super Bowl contender. So there's a lot of hurdles that Mahomes is going to have to clear. You know, in addition to Andy Reid keeping the team really competitive, which is hard to do in the salary cap era to keep them continually competitive. Um, 
But Mahomes is the guy of all the players right now that you look at and say, if anybody can ever do what Brady did, uh, it'll be Mahomes, but it's still a real long shot. Well, and the other thing, I think you, you touched on Andy Reid there at the end, and these two used to be synonymous with one another, with Brady and Belichick. And I know Tom went mm-hmm. and won another Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but with what Bill Belichick was able to do as a as a general manager, as a head coach, to keep the, that team relevant year in and year out, clearly the marriage between Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes is tremendous, but I don't think Andy Reid is going to be the coach for Patrick Mahomes for another decade plus and take kind of take him to that same category that, that, that Tom Brady was. And I think that's another important element to kind of factor into there as well. Who's going to be the guy after Andy Reid, and is he going to be able to do as good of a job as Andy? Uh, that's a great point. Um, the other thing is that Tom, year after year, took under-market contracts in order for the Patriots to have the cap room to stay competitive and, and keep the team around him competitive rather than, you know, being a situation where you had the, you know, the upper class and the lower class and no middle class because Tom took under market contracts. Belichick was able to bring in other players and, and pay p- players to stay. Uh, I, I can't recall off the top of my head what Mahomes' current contract is, but I guarantee you it's not under market. Um, He's getting paid at the top of the market, which, uh, unless the salary cap just keeps increasing at, at the way it's been the last couple of years, it's going to be hard, you know, for the Chiefs to maintain that roster. I mean, money was the, the reason they traded Tyreek Hill uh, because they didn't want to pay him, and you never really saw Belichick get rid of players who were in their prime because of money. Now he got rid of some players because of money but not players that he felt where the arrow was still pointing up. So um, Belichick, his first year in New England was Brady's first year in New England. They just kind of got rolling together. Andy Reid was already a head coach, and Belichick had already been a head coach for five years in Cleveland, of course, but um, Andy Reid was a longtime head coach in Philadelphia before he got to Kansas City. And I, I would... I don't think I'm going down the limb here, and you kind of alluded to this. I think Patrick is going to be playing a lot longer than Andy will be coaching. We're talking to former NFL columnist Gary Myers here on Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio. And Gary, before we get you out of here, we've talked a little bit about Patrick Mahomes and maybe where he needs to go next to kind of take that next step in terms of the all-time echelon. Who is the guy that you look at that might be in his way the most? Maybe that Manning or or, you know, kind of Manning, maybe even like a Roethlisberger-type situation. Who are those one or two guys that you're like, yeah, that's the guys I'd be worried about? Well, I think you can if, – if you want a definitive answer on that, I'll say Joe Burrow, but I would say Josh Allen is, is 1A on that. Um, the uh, Patrick has beaten Allen twice in the playoffs, and he's 1-1 one one against Burrow. And, and easily could have lost that game last week as well. Uh, I would say those two guys, but if you want me to pick one, I'll, I'll say Joe Burrow. Uh, he's, a, you know, like I said, the AFC is just loaded with the really good young quarterbacks. And any of these guys are capable of winning Super Bowls. It just it really comes down to the coaching around them and the players around them. And I don't know how long Kansas City is going to be able to sustain this. The, their offense without Hill, I know that 
uh, Patrick spread it around a lot more this year, and, and their production really didn't drop. But uh, I think the suddenness and the explosiveness of Tyreek Hill is, is something that uh, Mahomes missed this year. And their offense, to me, uh, just didn't strike the same fear in defenses as it had in the past. So, But I guess my answer would be Burrow if you want to pick any of the other AFC quarterbacks. Gary, we thank you so much for a few minutes of your time tonight. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys, can I just mention something real fast? Sure. Absolutely. Um, okay, I have a, a book coming out I just wanted to mention to your listeners uh, in September. It's called Once a Giant, a Story of Victory, Tragedy, and Life After Football. And it's about life after football for the 86 Super Bowl Giants. And it really gets into the challenges of some of the biggest name players of that generation, you know, Taylor and Sims and Carson Banks, Parcells, Belichick, who I interviewed all of them. And the stories in there are really going to blow people away about what some of these guys have faced. And it really addresses what has become the biggest issue in the NFL the last 15 years, and that's life after football. And the players from the 86 Giants are all in their late 50s to, to late 60s. And, and the challenges they're facing and how they've attempted to overcome them are, are really pretty amazing. Gary, I'm looking forward to What's the name of the book? It's called Once a Giant, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. It's it's available now on, on Amazon to pre-order. And I'm really excited about this book. I mean, it, again, not to be too dramatic here, but there's some really dramatic stories in there about how guys, how they got so... Uh, beaten down by what their lives were like and so depressed that they really considered doing some drastic things. And without giving too much away, you probably can guess what I'm referring to. Uh, It's really, I think, football fans and not just fans of the Giants, because I just picked the Giants to write about because I wanted to do it centered on one team. But their stories, I'm sure, are relatable to just about every team in the NFL uh, you know, from the mid-1980s, which doesn't seem that long ago to me, but um, some of these players have really uh, had a difficult time with life's challenges. Gary, thank you so much for the time, and I'm looking forward to reading that book when it comes out in September. That is former NFL columnist Gary Myers here on Candy and Carly on ESPN Radio. Coming up, three and out. This is Candy and Carly on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is 
Three and out. This is indeed three and out on Candy and Carlin ESPN Radio ESPN app. Alongside Gabe Neitzel, I'm Michael Rothstein. And we're, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to jump right into three and out, Gabe. And this first story is one I'm not sure how much you're familiar with, but I am because one of the things I do at ESPN is I cover boxing, specifically women's boxing. And the best fight I've ever seen in person was last year. It was Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano. It sold out Madison Square Garden. It headlined Madison Square Garden, the first fight between two women in boxing to do so in the world's most famous arena. They're going to do it again, and they're going to do it in Ireland later this year, May 20th. It is going to be incredible for multiple reasons, because Katie Taylor is a legend in Ireland. She is like the LeBron James of Ireland, and she has never fought professionally in Ireland. She is an icon, and she is going to get to have her first homecoming fight against the toughest opponent of her career. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere there. I'm, who won I'm, the first I, fight? Like I guess again, yeah. I have no idea who won the first fight. Katie Taylor won the first fight by split decision. It's the first time. So split decision is different than majority decision here. Yep. Okay? Majority decision means that you know what, there was a draw, and then two people gave it to one fighter. Split decision means that someone thought Katie Taylor lost. It's the first time. It was the only time in her career that someone actually thought Katie Taylor lost a professional fight. Go back and watch it. If you like boxing at all, go find this. Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano fight the first time around. The It was an electric atmosphere, and more than that, Gabe Neitzel, it was just a well-executed fight. It was our women's fight of the year, and honestly would have probably been our fight of the year overall. It's been fight of the year by multiple uh, outlets. It's, it's a great, great fight, Gabe. When's it going down? May 20th in Dublin, site to be determined. They had talked about 82,000-seat Croke Park, and that would have been huge, and they would have sold every seat. Might not happen there, but we'll see. I think they're playing you off. The I, they are here, playing Michael. me off. They're playing me off. I only <laughs> talked about boxing once. They're playing me off. Nick Sirianni is one of the coaches that is coaching in the Super Bowl this week. He said he had a, quote, chip on his shoulder after not being retained by Andy Reid. Gabe, is this Super Bowl hype, or do you think this is real? Super Bowl hype, do, do I think it's real for Sirianni? I don't even think it's real for him. I think it's a perceived slight that he put out there to put a chip on his shoulder. We see athletes do this all the time. Aaron Rodgers has done it. Michael Jordan famously does it. Like, to try to gain that competitive edge and keep yourself sharp, sometimes you give up the, you know, say these slights, especially when in like the story, Sirianni goes, oh, Andy Reid handled this probably the right way and was very understanding, but then just decided to give himself a chip on the shoulder to work hard, and now he's a head coach and gets to face Andy Reid. Cool little story, but that's all it is to me, just a little blurb. Yeah, I'm not really buying all of this. This feels just like early Super Bowl week hype, and by... Thursday, we'll just move on and talk about something else. I'm sure the, one of the Kelseys or both of the Kelseys will say something, and that will end up being the thing. There will be some perceived slight somewhere. I, I don't know where, but it will be somewhere. This is also really interesting, Gabe. I, I'm a gamer as well. I don't know if you're a gamer too, but MLB The Show is going to feature Negro League stars in their games starting this year. Eight of the greatest Negro League players, including Satchel Paige, Jackie Robinson, Buck O'Neill, Rube Foster, Hilton Smith— they're all going to be in this game. I'm pretty excited about this. I, I love this because it also show more of the history of the Negro Leagues, which is awesome. 
other video games like Madden, like NBA 2K, they've kind of take dove in head first and they've celebrated the history of their sports respectively in, in previous and, and current video versions of those games. I'm glad to see baseball is doing this and doing more and more to recognize the Negro leagues. Uh, it, it, there are plenty of books about the Negro leagues. If you want to learn more about it and how you know different it was back then, but I'm, I'm so excited that they are doing it in this format and celebrating some of the best players to ever play the game. Yeah. That they announced this on Monday. MLB, the show 23 is going to be released on March 28th. Coming up, well, it's Joe and Amber. This has been Canny and Carlin with Gabe Nitel. I'm Michael Rothstein. This, as always, is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app. Have a great night. Canty and Carlin, weekdays at 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen and watch on the ESPN app.